Baggies fans, welcome back to the Baggies broadcast guest summer series. My name is Johnny Drury. We're coming to the end of the series now. We've only got two episodes left. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Tamika Makanda-Weary. Some fantastic stories from Malawi to the West Midlands uh, and his journey into into football, even involving a, a funny story about a documentary involving Neil Clement, which I thought was quite quite amusing. This week we've got, as the theme has been with a lot of the episodes this, this season, another academy graduate, someone who's gone on on a different path, has got a different story. Uh, Alex Bradley was very much tipped to, to make it at Albion, got a professional contract, was in and around the first team, um, but it just never worked out for him in the end. Um, he's just been promoted back to the National League. Uh, back to the National League North with with Tamworth. Uh, so he's one who could potentially come back up the ladder. Uh, and he's got some fantastic stories from his time at Albion in and around the first team, talking about the managers and the players, and also um, some caps for Finland as well, strangely enough. So some great tales in there. Hope you enjoy this episode. The last one of the series is coming up next week. We may have a potentially a few other episodes dotted around elsewhere. We're just waiting on some some replies from a potential Albion manager and some potential other former Albion players. But hopefully you enjoy this episode. We've got one more left after this. So here you go. It's when the Bangers broadcast met Alex Bradley. Alex Bradley, welcome to the Baggies broadcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Are you well? Yeah, all good, thank you. Nice one for having me on there. No worries at all. No worries at all. Our latest guest in our in our uh, our summer series um, and as we've done with with all sort of similar guests yourself just going to go right back to the start really and just see sort of when your when your footballing in journey began I believe you sort of joined Albion at, at seven yeah um, but I'm right. sure it I'm sure it began sort of way before that how did you sort of was it did you come from a footballing family um not not really my dad played like not at a professional level but he played um locally and like for the county and stuff um my, I've got I've got a distant cousin. I think he's my second or third cousin, Stuart Fleetwood. Uh, he was a striker at Cardiff. He played for Wales and stuff like that. But um, no, not a massive footballing family. Not really, no. No. And how did it? When did it sort of occur to you that sort of clubs were looking at you, or maybe when you were a kid, if you can remember back that far, when you're seven yeah. years old, can you remember joining Albion? Uh, yeah, so I first went up when I was seven. Um, I was playing in like a local Sunday Saturday sort of thing down in Ledbury um, which is between Worcester and Hereford Um, that was my local team I was playing up like one or two year groups um, and just had like people approaching my parents really Um, and it started from there so I remember we went to a satellite centre in Gloucester um, first that was like a West Brom satellite centre so you had like me uh, Tyler Roberts, uh, Jared Bowen, uh, Luke Thomas, who's now at Barnsley. Um, we were all sort of there at the same time from about the same age, seven, eight, nine. So that was where it first started. Um, and then from there, I got asked to go up to uh, West Brom, obviously opposite the ground in the dome um, when I was seven. So, yeah. Yeah. What was it? What was it like then? Was it sort of? quite excited going into school saying yeah sort of here at West Brom yeah it was great um you know you sort of like you know you're the best one in your in your Saturday and Sunday teams locally but then to go up like to the actual club um and play with the the best from like the area or the Midlands was really good it was exciting so yeah 
So it was around your your sort of age group coming through. You mentioned Tyler Roberts as one there. Obviously, Albion fans will know from going on, and obviously at least yeah. he's a Q, was at QPR the last time I looked. But who yeah. um who who else is it was in that school that sort of went through the the ages with you? So you had from the very beginning, it was sort of like me, Tyler Roberts, Jan Dander, um, Jonathan Lecco, uh, who else? Rahis Narby, who was the youngest of the three Narby brothers. Um, trying to jog my mind back. Uh, who else? You mentioned Jonathan Lecco there with the likes of Rakeem Harper and that. Were they being sort of year above or year below? Because I know they all sort sort of get banded in the same group sometimes, don't they? Because they came yeah. through together. Uh, no, Rakeem was the year below me. Um, and then year above, you had like Kyle Edwards, Sam Field, people like that. And who would, was there anyone who sort of stood out sort of early on? Obviously those names you mentioned there, Field, Lecco, Edwards, all went on to play for Albion, some more than others. But was there anyone who, who particularly stood out as you were coming through? Um, I would say from a young age, you sort of sort of had like... It was sort of like Jan, Jan Dander, myself, Tyler Roberts. We were probably uh, the best of the age group, if you, if like so to speak. But then, as you get older and you start of, you sort of uh, start going to school, going out with friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, that pattern starts to change. So the ones that the best at a younger age group aren't necessarily the ones that are the best as yeah. you get older. Um, I mean. I remember when Jonathan first came, he was probably nine or ten. And if you ask him yourself, he'd probably admit it. He wasn't the best. Um, but then you go to like 13, 14, 15 and he came back because I remember he came on trial and it was like a different player. He was frightening. He was really, really good. And obviously he went on to do really well for himself and got his debut. I think it was 16 or 17 playing under Pulis in the first team. So yeah, I wouldn't really say there was anyone that stood out from a young age, but as you get older, you can start start to see who's going to go on and progress to to have a career. Yeah, what are you sort of what are your memories from from coming through the the age groups? Is there anything that sort of stood out, you know, when you were at Albion? And what what was it like to be at Albion? You know, what were the coaches like? You know, was it yeah. was it a good place to was it a good place to sort of have your footballing development yeah. and upbringing? Definitely, yeah. I think it was. I think it was probably the best place to be at the time. You know, you had all the coaches that have now moved on and done so well for themselves, um, like Samoro, Jimmy Shan, uh, Mark Harrison, people like that. So, the coaches we had were probably the best. Um, definitely in the Midlands, maybe in the country. So, I think it was the best place to be at the time. Um, and the numbers don't lie. The the players that went on to play not necessarily just in West Brom's first team, but go on to have a career or play some games in the league. Those numbers don't lie. But yeah, there was loads of good memories. Um, You know, going on tour, I went twice to Romania. Uh, We went to Denmark, Germany, um, all over the place. It was it was brilliant. You mentioned Darren Moore there. We've had him on as a guest and he's always someone we like to to talk about on here, I suppose, as with an Albion, you know, hat on, he's obviously a club legend. But I suppose you were one of his youngsters when he was sort of first coming through the coaching ladder at Albion. What what was what was he like? I imagine he's uh, someone you'd want to run through a brick wall for yeah. just because of the the man that he's like. What was it like for you playing under him? No, it was great, brilliant, really good. Um, 
I don't think there's any people out there that would say a bad bad word about Moro. Um, such a lo- lovely man and and a very good football coach and very good football brain. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant, fantastic. You mentioned Jimmy Chan there as well. Obviously, he went on to have that short interim spell at, at Albion, but he, he gets talked about you know a lot as a coach. I think he's back with Darren Moore now at Sheffield Wednesday. What what, what was he? Was he as sort of as good as they they said he was on the training field and and, and good to play for? Yeah, very good. Um, up there with the best that I've ever come across. Um, even Aaron Danks, he was really, really good. You know, like the attention to detail, the coaching sessions they'd put on, um, the analysis, video analysis. Yeah, top like top coaches. Yeah, it's, uh, Aaron Danks, if I'm right, I think he's the guy he did it. He had a couple of games at Villa, didn't he, earlier this season? Right, I think when, yeah. when Gerard got the got the sack. So, you, so you're coming through there, Alex. When is it? Sort of, you get into 16. Can you? What was it like? you're always sort of expecting to maybe get sort of your scholarship and then go on to your pro. Can you remember that sort of, um, that sort of yeah, time? Yeah, I can. I can remember it really well. Um, from, well, at 12 years old, I had a few clubs sniffing about and uh, Mark Harrison was the academy manager at the time and he rang my parents and asked me to go in. Um, so we sort of knew something was happening, but I got, so- I got offered a four-year contract at 12. So I signed that. Um, that would take me through to 16. Then at like 15, 16, 16 I had a couple bad injuries, uh, broke my leg, etc. Um, and then at 16, I got offered my two-year scholarship, which is where you obviously go full-time down to the training ground and you're in and around the first team every day, which is brilliant. Um, I don't think there's a better opportunity as a young, as a young man trying to make it in in what is such a hard industry um, than to be around a first team every day. And so just paint a bit of a picture for us. Who, who sort of the, the first team? Would it, would it have been Pulis was the first team manager then or was it just before that? Or uh, No, it was Pulis at the time, yeah. So um, we were 16 going into the training ground. Pulis was the first team manager. You had players like Mozza, uh, Darren Fletcher. Uh, who else? Who else? Claudio Jakob, Jonas yeah, Olsen. Yeah that kind of era but um yeah it was brilliant fantastic and i look back on it with with very fond memories yeah so what were they what were they sort of like with you you know i know pulis gets a, a tag as quite a hard-nosed manager sometimes but what was he like with the with the youngsters i imagine you probably got pulled over and sort of had to fill a, a spot on the the first team training pitch every now and then yeah no we did uh there would be there would be like fridays every friday the under 18s would get asked to go over there and do like shape or set pieces and, you know, like emulate the opposition that they were going to play on a Saturday. So all of those things were great, um, great experiences. And and uh, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Have you got any memories of Pulis? Did you ever sort of have any much interaction with him at, at that time or? Um, not not so much. I was sort of such a young, like young lad at the time. But you just look back and you think like it was nice to be around and train and get the opportunity to uh, put yourself against like some of the top players that were there. Yeah, were they tough to sort of? I imagine they sort of did they whip you into shape or give you a sort of a telling off when you needed it if you you weren't yeah. doing what they wanted them to. I don't think Tony Pulis has ever been shy to tell anyone yeah. how he feels, has he? So um, not with me, but I did see a couple of times he'd have a go at some some people or whatever. But yeah, it's it's all part of the part of the job, I suppose. Yeah, so you're at that sort of age when you get 16 to 18 and obviously you get pro. What What is, um, can you remember that time? Would, would Pulis still have been the manager at that 
that point in time or had he sort of moved on or um so 16 to 18 two-year scholar Pulis was still there and then I think it was the first year of my pro it might have been the second when Pardew came in um and I sort of went from training with the first team like now and again maybe once every week and then when Pardew came in and he gave me sort of like a real chance to train with them pretty much every day I was with them um and did pretty well for myself and um thought I was going to get a chance at some point um then you then you sort of go on loan don't you try and get some minutes in men's football um and yeah for whatever reason he didn't last at the club uh for that long and yeah I didn't didn't manage to get a debut or a chance for the first team yeah, so you got your pro, and then obviously Pardew comes in. You know, I, I, I think you struggled to find a, an Albion fan or say a good word about Alan Pardew, but I suppose he give you, you know, he give you that opportunity. Obviously, it didn't go well for him on the pitch with the first team, so that's why it came to an end. But what was he? So he, 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 you must have been sort of not quite close to him, but obviously he saw something in you to to drag you over and 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 put you in there full time. Yeah, it must have been. He must have liked what he saw. I don't know. He never really said. Um how close or how far I was away from getting a chance but to be training with them every day you know you're doing something right um and then obviously you had players like I remember Serge Gnabry it might have just been at the time when Pulis just before Pulis left he was there wasn't he on loan from Arsenal yeah um this is the famous story where he goes on to buy munich and yeah i know he couldn't get a game at west brom i remember i remember really well one of his first few sessions we were doing 1v1 um like with the mini goals and uh i was training with the first team and i was up against serge gnabry and uh, i actually did quite well against him i don't think he scored too many and i scored a couple but he sort of like took me under his wing a little bit um and like gave me some advice and some guidance and and then yeah Pulis left uh Gnabry went back to Arsenal and Pardew came in I was uh we, we hear this story I think Pulis was on a podcast a while ago sort of dispelling the the myth about that and saying that he, he wasn't up to it at Albion was was that the sort of case is it I suppose you knowing him now and he give you a bit of advice probably makes you laugh yeah he's going but, and banging in five in the Champions League and stuff I don't know I don't know it's it's hard to say isn't it because you, you only see them on the training pitch I were I wasn't around on match day or I didn't really get to know him like on a personal level, so I don't know what his character was like if when things were going not so well for him, which obviously at the Albion they they didn't. But um, no, obviously he's a great player and he's gone on to prove that to everyone. But just a case of does he fit in into Pulis's team or his ideal way of playing, and he probably didn't. So yeah, no, it's interesting. You mentioned other players there, like. Uh... Darren Fletcher and Jonas Olsen. Was there any senior players that sort of, like you said, maybe sort of pulled you aside and give you give you advice? I can imagine Darren Fletcher being very good with, with, with virtually everyone on the training field, just given his, yeah. his character. He was great. Darren Fletcher was really good. Um, I remember at the time I was training with the first team and I got a, I got a block to shot and I had a stress fracture that I didn't know about that I was playing with for months. Um, blocked this shot and my ankle just like, I felt it sort of give way. Um, I actually broke my ankle from from that incident. But um, no, Darren Fletcher was great. Uh, lo- loads of players, Darren Fletcher, James Morrison, Chris Brunt, they were all really good with the young players, not just myself, but everyone. Um, you know, just sort of fre- how friendly they were, some of the advice they give you. 
Um, but yeah, there, there was a really good, nice, friendly group of first team players. What was it like being around it in that season? Because obviously it was a disastrous season where Albert, I think on a party they sort of lost something like 16 out of 18 games or something ridiculous. Was it was it difficult to be on the training field with? Because I imagine it's quite tense and, and you know, no one wants to get relegated. So and the, the threat of that relegation is right there. What was it like for a, for a young player being involved? Obviously, you're not in around a match day, but you're there sort of every other day. Yeah. Um, you sort of see a sign to players and, and, man, and like management that you didn't necessarily see before. So like the training might have been different. Um, you're doing a lot more running. You're focusing on like set pieces and stuff like that rather than open play in between the two boxes. Um, so yeah, I think I think when it's like a time like it was, um, the the fine margins and the details come into things a lot more, um, and you're focusing on things that you weren't doing before in training. Um, Alex, just on a on a tangent from this, it's just come from my research, sort of my Wikipedia and very basic research, but you got Finnish international youth caps to your yeah to your name. Talk to us, uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, I do. Um, my mum's from Finland, so I'm half Finnish. Um, so I first played for them against Poland and Slovakia at under-15s. Um, then played against Turkey. Uh, who else? Turkey, I think Slovakia and Poland again at under-17s. And then we had the Euro uh, finals in Finland, which were held in Finland. Um and that was under 19. So we had like Italy, um, Norway and who else? someone else were in our group. There was us and three other teams. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It's really good playing international football. You get more exposure um, from different clubs. You're playing against a higher calibre, higher calibre of young players. Um, I mean, Haaland was playing for Norway. Um, and you look and see what he's gone on to do. So, yeah, yeah, it was great. Great experience and something that I'll uh, hold with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, what was it like playing against him? Was he, could you see that he was an absolute beast that was going to go on and score, what, 50 goals in a season? Yeah, he was a beast. He uh, he didn't actually score that game, which, looking back now, I'm quite surprised yeah. that he didn't. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just, uh, just like the memories and the experience you get from playing international football, it's... It's uh, totally different to uh, club football. And it, it was great. Something something I, I hold, I'll hold with me. Yeah, obviously, how did it come around? Obviously, I'm, you know, with your family, you know that you, you were sort of half finished. But did they sort of find that out through the sort of clubs and stuff? Or do you put yourself forward for it? How, how does it work? Uh, so what happens is the, the, the man or whoever's in charge of the international team at that age group and that oversees all the players that are eligible to play for that country, um, they actually get in touch with the club. So I think the very first time um, they emailed Mark Harrison and then Mark would tell me that uh, they want you to play for them in such and such game, yeah. such and such tournament. And then the club, West Brom at the time, had to let me go and miss a week or however long it was, two weeks, to go out to Finland and play. Oh, fascinating. And obviously something... You know, you can always remember when you so when you're at Albion, you're in the first team squad. You went out on a on a few loans, I believe. You know, yeah. how, how sort of beneficial were they for you, and how did they go? Really good. So the first loan, I was um, 
18 or 19, just turned 19. No, 18 I was. Um, I went to Haventon Waterlooville, which is like right down south near Portsmouth. And that was when they were in the conference. That was my very first loan. Um, I only played about, it says on Wikipedia, nine, but that's wrong because we had cup games. I think I played about 12, 13 games. Um, And no, yeah, it was very beneficial. You know, playing in a men's team, um, in a men's environment against other men, it's totally different. And it certainly is an eye opener from academy football, playing like pretty passages of play out from the back, you know, going into men's football where the keeper's lumping it up the pitch 80 yards and you're playing off the scraps, off the striker. So, yeah, it's uh, certainly very beneficial for any young player um, and I would advise any young player to get out and play men's football as soon as they can. Yeah, no, it's inter- it's interesting getting various different different views on that. When, so when you went back to Arbin after them loan spells, how how, how sort of close do you think you were to, to ever sort of making a first team appearance? Because you mentioned there, Pardew had you know had liked you. Obviously, it was the end of the season when Albion got relegated. Were you out of contract in that summer, or was it later than that that you were out of contract? Um, no, so initially I signed a one year contract, went back. Um, signed another year extension then I went on loan to Haven came back in the January went on loan to Burton Albion um, obviously League One still are uh, played about I think that was nine games all off the bench I didn't make one start but I did really well um, I scored in the final day of the season away to Peterborough um, I think we lost 3-1 or 4-1 and you had like Ivan Tony playing in that game um, did really well they offered me, so I knew at the time I wasn't going to be extending my contract at West Brom. They sort of give me like, you know, um, not a cold shoulder, but you get like a feeling. To what season would this have been, Alex? Was this the relegate the Premier League relegation season, was it? Or... Uh, this was the season when Moro and Jimmy got the interim, um, in that, like interim role in charge. That's it. The end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I knew I wouldn't be staying at West Brom at the come like come the summer. Um, and then, yeah, so when Pardew was there, I played in the, I don't know if you would have gone or you would have seen it. We played Delhi Dynamos in like a game. Rings a bell, yeah. Rings a bell. I, I played in that. So that was, that. it wasn't a competitive fixture, but that was my only like appearance for the first team squad. Um, but no, like I say, going back to Burton, did really well. I knew I wouldn't be staying at West Brom. Uh, Burton offered me a one-year contract to sign there and I didn't have an agent at the time. So I was speaking to um, a close pal of mine who who played for a number of years in the Prem. I won't say his name because, you know, I don't feel like it would be fair, but I was speaking to his agent at the time and he said, no, no, Al, don't sign for Burton on, on a one-year contract. I'll get you somewhere for longer than a year and on better money. Anyway, that never materialised. Um, left West Brom and went into pre-season with nothing. So that's when I went on trial at Lincoln um, under Danny and Nicky Cowley for about three or four weeks. Did really well there, played a few games and they offered me a two-year contract um, on the same money as what Burton did originally. So looking back, it was sort of like, not a double-edged sword, but 
I kind of wish I'd signed for Burton because obviously finishing the last season there on loan, I knew I would have been given a chance yeah. and got regular minutes in League One that next season. Um, but it's all in hindsight, isn't it? You never know what's around the corner. So what was it like, you know, when you left West Brom, you said there sort of you got a bit of a cold shoulder or, you know, sort of got a feeling you weren't going to get anything. Um, and I know just a, I read a news article from a few years ago where you sort of opened up a little bit about your departure from West Brom, said you were sort of glad to leave in the end and it had gone, I think you said it had gone a little bit stale. What yeah. what what, just, what did you sort of sort of mean by that? Was it sort of a disappointing way to end or how did it all work? Um, yeah, so looking back now, obviously with an older head on my shoulders, it probably wasn't the most cleverest thing to do or say publicly, but um, I just sort of felt having been there for so long and, you know, like give everything to that club. That was the that was the one club that I always wanted to play for. Um, and then obviously having not made one competitive appearance for them in the championship or whatever or, or the Prem, like even for five, ten minutes, I was felt a bit like gutted about it all, really. Um but that's football, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's the way it goes, isn't it, sometimes? Was it, was it difficult to go in the end? I, I suppose there's a school of thought, and like you say there, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Obviously, the following season, Albion are in the Championship, and Darren Moore, someone you know really well, sort of takes over full-time. Is, is there any part of you thinking you might have maybe got a chance with Albion have been relegated? Yeah, potentially. Um you can look back now and, and think or, or say, yeah, I would have got a chance, but you never know. Um, you've got to, you've got to prove it every day. You've got to compete with, with the squad that's there and you've got to stay free from injury, which is a lot harder to do than it is to say. Um, so I don't know, but looking back, it was sort of, um, it was hard to leave because I'd, I'd been there for all my life. It was the only club I ever knew. Um, and yeah, it was the club that I wanted to play for and go on to do well and, and make a name for myself. But that never happened. Um, so you just got to move on, um, take it in good stead and, and and try and get yourself up where you go yeah. next. I've just got a line here. You had, you had quite a few injuries, I think, as well. You mentioned there a broken leg and a stress yeah. fracture of your ankle. Did that yeah. sort of go against you in the end, really? You feel like you weren't able to sort of showcase fully what you were about? Um I wouldn't say go against me. It's just hard when you come back from those injuries and you're fighting with fitness or you're fighting with players that have had a good a good season. So yeah, it's it's never easy coming back from a a bad injury, but you sort of there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to get on with it and and uh, hope you get a chance. Yeah. So you, you you went to Lincoln. Obviously, it didn't work out as much. I think. You sort of went to Yeovil, I think, after after that. How did it all sort of sort of play out, really? Was it a case you weren't getting the chances at those clubs, or um, no, not really? So I left, obviously, left the Albion in that summer. Um, went on trial to Lincoln, did pretty well. They offered me a two-year contract, signed it. Uh, then played in pre-season with them. Uh, started on the bench in the first few league games, and then I wasn't playing. I just said to the manager, I want to be out on loan playing regular minutes and then I went on loan to Harrogate that first season um did really well played about 28 30 games and we got promoted in the playoff final um that year 
against uh, Notts County. But I didn't play in the final. I wasn't in the squad. Um, I was ill a few. I was ill about three weeks before the playoffs because that's when COVID kicked in. You see, so they suspended the leagues. Um, we all got sent away, and then they returned for the playoffs. So I think it was in like it was late that year. It was like June or July time. We went back for the playoffs. Played Boreham Wood um, in the semi-final. I didn't play, but we beat them. And then we played Notts County in the final at Wembley behind closed doors. There was no fans there. I didn't play in that. But it was good that the club won, got promoted, and I played a part um, in that season, which was good, yeah. And I I did your sort of journey go after that. Obviously, now you're at at Tamworth. You know, did you sort of, after that, did you stay in professional football? Because I know we had another Albion youngster, Sam Mantam, who's now at Russell Olympic, and he sort of his career came to or professional career came to a bit of an end in that COVID period like probably an awful lot of players did around the country what what was it like for you at that time sort of yeah. looking for contracts looking for clubs and um so I was kind of fortunate in a way because obviously I had a two-year contract at Lincoln so that next season after COVID I still had time on my contract so um yeah I was one of the lucky ones if you like so I went back to Lincoln in that pre-season um sort of a similar pattern as the first year so I was playing in pre-season games thought I did quite well um, wasn't playing in the league at the start of the year then I went on loan to Yeovil uh, to from from about September August September time to January and then in the January January that's when I signed 18 months permanent to move down there and play for Yeovil um, but yeah I'd say it didn't help a lot of a lot of players, especially being a young player that hadn't played much in the league or had many many um, first team appearances. But because you look back and you think, well, a lot of the clubs didn't have as much money as they did before, and then you've got more players out of work that haven't got contracts. So there's a bigger pool of players to pick from and a smaller pot of money to to offer out so yeah it didn't it didn't help many players but I was one of the lucky ones to have a year left at Lincoln really and that so you had 18 months at, at Yeovil and then when that comes to an end is that when you signed for Tamworth but after that is that when you yeah, came right. out of professional football that's right yeah so I did 18 months at Yeovil uh that first six months I played quite a lot um I was playing at right back uh did okay I wasn't really enjoying it bit to be to be truthful, um, obviously playing in midfield my whole life uh, and then being moved to right back, it's not it's not something that I really wanted to do. I just sort of did it at the time because I wanted to play. Um, so I did that. And then the next season, which was last se- not the season just finished, but the one before, um, sort of had a few conversations with the manager who I got on really well with as a person. Um basically saying that I didn't want to play at right back anymore. I wanted to be given a chance in midfield. Um, And he had a lot of midfielders at the time and it didn't really go in my favour. So I hadn't played much football in that year. I was just training, living down there. Um, And I started to fall out of love with it, really. Um, Being away from my partner and my family and stuff, you know, giving all that sacrifice, training all the time. Uh, drive like doing a lot of miles driving um sort of yeah just fell out of love with it and 
decided that this year I wanted to be living at home and playing more for enjoyment again rather than as a job. Yeah, do you sort of, is that difficult to let go of? You say you've lost the enjoyment of it there, but, you know, you've you've been a, you know, a youth footballer and then a professional footballer for what feels like an eternity. Do, do you, is it tough to let go of and go into the, almost the real world, I suppose? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I think, looking back, I was probably ready for it. I, uh, I wasn't enjoying it. Like I say, I was living miles and miles away from home, not really playing much, um, just not living living the way a professional footballer should be, really. I was drinking, you know, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, drinking too much. Um, just, yeah, I don't know, look back and think, like, not depressed, but I wasn't happy. Um, and they say, don't they, don't take your work life home, but that's what I was doing. And it wasn't helping me. So sort of sat down with my family at the end of last year and said, listen, I, I don't think this is something that I want to do. I was umming and ahhing whether I even wanted to play part time. Um, but yeah, it was just Tamworth was local. Uh, it's a chance for me to play and, and start to enjoy my football again. Yeah, do you, is it difficult? You, you know, you think, wow, I'm playing part time now. I've got to go and get a job. <laughs> mm. yeah it is it's like you say it's the real world isn't it you work nine to five monday to friday and then your football comes second whereas before for so many years football was everything it was all i knew um but yeah it was it's been exciting it's been enjoyable um something that i didn't think i'd ever be doing i thought i would have been playing football for the rest of my young adult life sort of till I was 34 35 but no it wasn't what I um first thought I would be doing when I was younger but I'm really happy doing what I'm doing um playing part-time and I've got a a good work-life balance um which I think is important in anything you do you've got to have a good work-life balance you've got to have good relationships um but yeah I'm happy doing what I'm doing and football sort of for enjoyment now like it was when I was a young kid what yeah what what is it you've gone into and you sort of will the work is it anything sort of you wanted to do or uh yes I've set up a business I sell like storage and handling equipment um so it's something that my dad's done for years so he sort of helped me set it up um and I and I sell like it's pretty boring I sell like plastic containers and plastic boxes shelving and racking um stuff like I say, I didn't think I'd ever be doing it, but I'm doing it and, and enjoying it and it helps to pay the bills. So everyone's happy. Yeah, and how's the football going? I'm looking at some league tables. Tamworth are sort of up there at the top of the yeah. Southern League or up the top. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm, I mean, I haven't really played that much this year. I've only played about 28, 30 games because when I was at West Brom as a kid, I had an operation on my ankle um, and I've got metal in there. So I've got a plate and two screws. Uh, and that's been giving me some jip this year. So I've not played as much as I wanted to, um, but it's been really good. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the football when I have played. And uh, yeah, just to help the team and the club gain promotion and win the league and get them to the Conference North, which is good. Yeah, exciting, I suppose, going up to that level. And, and I, I, when it comes to professional football, obviously you're still very young, Alex. 
is that sort of box fully closed now? Obviously, there are players that come out of it and maybe sometimes do really well and go back into it. Is that something you sort of boxed uh, off um, now and you're happy with what you're doing in terms of playing part-time and doing it that way? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what I do and, and what I'm doing, but no, I wouldn't say that door's fully shut. I wouldn't, I don't think it's uh, clever or, or how shall I put it? Yeah, I don't think it's clever to ever close any doors or, or disregard any opportunity that might come your way. So, no, it's not something that I've I've said I never want to play full time again or I never want to go back into professional football because that's not the case. But it's more so um, it would depend on the opportunity. And you sort of look at it in a different ways what you were looking at it before. So now I'd look at it and be a bit more selfish um, if I was to go back into full time. Um, not in a bad way, but I mean, like, you wouldn't you wouldn't take the first opportunity that comes calling. You would look at a few different things before you commit to someone, um, which as a young professional, uh, it, it isn't always what people do. You know, you get an opportunity and you think, right, you sort of bite the bullet. I need to go and do it. I need to go and play. But looking back now, I don't think that's always the right answer. Yeah, and just finally, in terms of, you know, obviously you've got your, your your sort of part-time career there, but when you look back on those days at Albion, what are the memories that stand out? And is there any sort of any regrets from back then? How do you, how do you view it now, looking back? Uh, no, with all fond memories. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, grateful and, and happy to have, or happy to have had the opportunity to be there for such a long time because there's that many boys up and down the country that, you know, would would like can only dream of what people like me have been through. So, no, I look back with great memories um, and I'm grateful for, you know, the opportunities and and being able to say that I, I was a professional footballer. Um, but, yeah, I love I loved West Brom and I hope they can get themselves back into the Premier League some point soon. <laughs>